You're listening to the Annuity Agents Podcast with Bill Broach and Anthony Owen, co-founders of Safe Money Radio Marketing and regular contributors to ThinkAdvisor and other industry publications. Bill is a 100 plus million dollar annuity producer, co-founder of annuity.com and an internet branding and reputation expert. Anthony has helped agents and advisors across the country achieve annuity production premiums in excess of $20 million per year and is president of Annuity Agents Alliance and Annuity Innovation Systems. Each week, Bill and Anthony update you on the annuity business with marketing, sales process, and case design strategies based on actual practice, not theory. Notes for this week's podcast can be found at annuityagentsalliance.com. This podcast is for licensed financial professional use only. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our podcast today. Uh, If you're on the notes, you can see my editorial. I've talked about this uh, before, uh, but it seems like we have have big changes uh, are coming, seems to be almost weekly. I mean... This past week, we we've had a had a uh, articles about J.P. Morgan and Kiplinger's is now pro and pro fixed index annuities for the most part. There's new legislation pending that's going to open our product up into the uh, uh, qualified market. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You know, I can remember back when when we were the laughing stock of the whole industry, and everybody thought we were. You know, we're not adequate to to uh, to other retirement planners or other things. You know, I was in Canada when Brokers International. I was at that meeting up there when they they announced the first creation of the first income writer, and I I was totally confused at the meeting as were most, and and it's actually kind of bewildering with the thing exactly how this worked. And it wasn't until two or three years later somebody actually sat me down and explained. About how the taxes work on it and how the product really worked is I was based in Washington State and uh, Washington State did not allow income writers. I did uh, become more familiar with it when I was working occasionally in California and saw the power of these things. But along with that, you know, everything else has happened. There's so many innovative features that are coming and uh, this new thing that uh, Anthony's going to talk about, about uh, today about the lock-in on gains. I mean, these are these are forward-thinking, innovative ideas that are an indication of where this product, our wonderful product, is going. We have uh, elimination of volatility now and market risk, no market risk exposure. We've taught our prospects and clients how to use the tax-deferred buildup uh, and how to manage their own tax liability. And our products have gone from, hey, how much interest does it, can you earn on it, to focusing on the real benefits that these products provide. And uh, the income trigger, turning the income rider on and off is amazing. The 4% withdrawal rule our, our competitors are using no longer really exists. Our competitors are completely scrambling for more products. I mean, they do anything except to admit the fact that we're right and they have all these other dreamed-up Wall Street things to try and appear to do what we are. Look at look at interest rates. I mean, look at the interest rates at the bank. Holy cow! The other day, I, I walked by by the local bank and it offered uh, five basis points interest on two-year CDs. I mean, think about that. Why even bother? 
look what they are in might is and so on and so forth. So we are really coming hard. This part is coming like a freight train now. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I had a, a good friend of ours sent, uh, Dustin Settle, sent, sent me an, a uh, link to an article. And it was written by a, a guy I follow occasionally. Uh, I haven't read him recently, but I always did for a long time, Robert Powell. And he writes for an organization called The Street. And he wrote this article in 2011. And think back about that. That's, you know, 10 years ago. And, Robert, and I, by the way, throw on the notes the links to that original article on that. Dustin sent it to me, and I put it up. Uh, the retirees need fewer stocks and more annuities. Now, think of that. Think where we all were 10 years ago and think about where it is now. And so now, you know, we have J.P. Morgan saying annuities should be in the portfolios on and on and on and on. With that, Anthony, uh, let me throw it back to you for that. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we'll, we're going to have to add this to our podcast next week. There was another link in here I wanted everybody to have access to. But uh, there's a really good video in there on J.P. Morgan's website. Uh, uh, there's a part one and a part two. I think the part one is the one that's missing. And uh, it goes step by step by step by step through why annuities should be part of someone's portfolio and how the financial world, for the most part, misses the main feature of an annuity, and so do we sometimes, right? An annuity is an insurance product. What do you get when you get an insurance product? You get a premium that you give up to get something. What are you getting with an annuity? You're getting lifetime income, and it goes through the whole explanation of why this is more important than focusing on rate and growth and things like that on J.P. Morgan's website. And I could tell you, uh, after, you know, hiring someone from Charles Schwab, and looks like I might be hiring someone from Transamerica um, that were in their indexed annuities division, uh, what both of them said the biggest problem they had working for those companies is that the company didn't know that it sold indexed annuities. <laughs> You know, the very people that work there don't know. And the same is true for J.P. Morgan. I mean, J.P. Morgan sells index annuities, but I bet you that most of the people that work there don't know that. Um, so when they find out and when they wake up, you know, when there's another market crash and they start paying attention to our products again, uh, that's where uh, some big competition can come from. But uh, we'll put that link up next week and uh, make sure you get access to that. Uh, Bill, you want to talk about uh, some yeah. marketing? Yeah, you know, uh, I apologize. I must have missed that link too, but we'll get it back. Oh, up no problem. I just want, yeah, I just wanted to mention for uh, take make a quick note as about this. Uh, there's a bill being introduced. It's, uh, it, it has made it to committee. I saw yesterday. And uh, it's just legislation that's going to be going to be introduced. And I'm only sharing this because I, this will be a, I think, a gateway into fixed index annuities being accepted widely in 401k and and other other retirement plan programs. And uh, you know, with, since the uh, the Department of Labor has really uh, has accepted and with some slight alterations. 
uh, Trump's uh, rewriting of the fiduciary rule, that makes it really important because now 401k and, and money managers or uh, third-party uh, advisors on, on 401ks now are free from uh, liability issues by adding them to it. And this, uh, this, this catch-up provision that's, that's going to be introduced in this is going to allow that to, uh, more liability to happen on that. And the idea is to extend the required minimum distribution from 72 to 75, which may, is just the best thing that could happen to our products, along with that and the, and the auto and roll products. So if you're a company that doesn't offer it, you now can jump to a self-directed IRA, and now you can allow your products to go in there through, through the under the SECURE Act. Additional, it's more additions to what we what we have to offer. Speaking of the Secure Act, Anthony, you had an update on that too. Yeah, so this is all a moving target at this point. But the IRS came out with a, a, a basically an amendment or a comment. We'll call it a comment on uh, the Secure Act rule, and uh, part of that rule. Uh, regulation required that all deaths after 2020, January 1st of 2020, um, for non-spousal inherited money had to be distributed within a 10-year period. Uh, so you couldn't do a stretch IRA anymore, and you had to take all the money and pay taxes on it within 10 years. However, within that 10-year period, there was no restriction on when uh, or how much uh, money had to be distributed. So you could literally wait till the last day of the ninth year and pull out 100% of the money and still comply with uh, the guidelines uh, for this. Um, but they came out with a comment that says that until you take out all of the money, you have to pull out RMDs based on your life expectancy. So, for example, you know, you get $100,000, you're age 65, you receive this money from your parents, you would have to start taking out RMDs on that $100,000 based on your life expectancy and then pull out the lump sum balance at a minimum before the 10 years is up. Well, that is a complete contradiction to um, not only the regulation, but everything that people understood about the regulation. So right now we're in a hold and wait period. We're going to have to – obviously there's going to be a lot of blowback on this, and the government's going to have – the IRS is going to have to either amend their comment uh, or uh, ratify it. Um, so we'll keep you up to date on that. But for right now, nothing's changed. I, I don't know how the carriers are going to respond to this at this point. They're probably just waiting for clarification. Uh, the other thing, uh, as far as products goes, uh, Allianz uh, has what's called a rate lock, as Bill alluded to. And so on all the products, Mid-year, you can lock in the gains, and you can do that uh, preemptively. So once a policy is issued, the client can go into their client portal, and they can choose the gain rate, the gain percentage that they want to lock in their gains at. So, for example, 
say they have 100% par on whatever strategy, and um, they can go into their account and say, I want to lock in those gains if they reach 5% return. So even though the year might end up at, say, 10%, uh, if they choose that lock-in rate, uh, then they would uh, get 5%. The advantage of that is what if the market goes up um, during the policy uh, anniversary period and, say, gets up to maybe 8% growth and then goes down and the year would have ended with 0% interest? Well, they could have locked in that 5% because once it got up to that 5% level, it locked it in, and then the rest of the uh, policy period is irrelevant. So if it goes down from there, they still locked in the 5%. So it's a daily uh, lock-in uh, for all of their crediting strategies. Uh, now, will customers use this? How valuable is this? Uh, I think it might be valuable to some customers. Some customers are going to want to follow that and uh, watch the index and decide if they want to lock something in. Uh, and so, you know, it can help avoid some of those low uh, returning years. It could also uh, cause you to miss out on some big returning years, though, so you'd have to be careful how you use that. Uh, another thing is Allianz is increasing. On May 4th, they're increasing their Allianz 222 benefit-based bonus from 15% to 18%. And then on the uh, benefit control annuity, uh, they're increasing the benefit base bonus from 18% to 25%. And those of you who don't know, the benefit, the benefit base on both of those products uh, can be used to calculate income. Uh, they also have LTC doublers. And the benefit base is a death benefit that's payable over five years. Uh, so. These make these products even stronger for legacy issues, and uh, also the income writers uh, are free. Uh, for the most part, they can potentially add a fee at some point, but they're they're free uh, income income writers. And uh, so I think we're going to see some. You know, if interest rates keep on going up. I'm kind of praying. I don't know about you, but I'm praying for interest rates. You know, the the ten year to get up to around three percent. Uh, one, I think that would cause a lot of market volatility because people will move their money from stocks to bonds at around that 3% level, and also it'll allow our uh, carriers to really start getting competitive and raising rates and stabilizing commissions. So, And that is what's going on with – I think that's pretty much it for products. Uh, and then you were going to talk about what do annuity companies really want, Bill? Well, Anthony, talk a little bit next about the leverage investment. Uh, oh, the leverage, yeah. That, that link up there for you. Yeah, so here's something to keep your eye on. I've uh, I've been going down the rabbit hole of cryptocurrency for about the last month and a half, and um, the reason for that is because I'm afraid of having old man disease, and if... <laughs> If you don't know what old man disease is, my dad had this disease where he reached a certain age and was unable or unwilling to learn new things. Uh, and 
I kind of saw myself doing that with cryptocurrency, whereas like, nah, I, I, I don't need to know this. It, it's not real. It's going to go away. It's going to be a fad. And then I see companies like Mass Mutual uh, putting $200 million into crypto and Cuban and O'Leary and a bunch of people talking about it. I'm like, okay, I better know what's going on here. And so I started looking at crypto, and uh, one of the things I found as I was studying it is that uh, just like our equity markets, uh, crypto is highly leveraged um, with a, a product they call DeFi, which is decentralized financing. They're using uh, loans uh based leveraged loans based on their their crypto holdings to allow them to buy crypto on margin. Now, you know, if I go to TD Ameritrade and I buy stocks on margin, I might get, you know, a two-to-one or a three-to-one margin uh, on my uh, equity holdings uh, for any margin uh, purchase I make. In the crypto space, they're – Margining 10 to 1, and even in some cases, 100 to 1. Uh, this is a ticking time bomb. Uh, you know, if you're margined 10 to 1, and the, you know, cryptocurrency, whatever you're in, whether it's Bitcoin or uh, some other coin, uh, if that drops by 10%, you're getting a margin call. If you're 100 to 1, and it drops by 1%, you're getting a margin call. And... Uh, you know, investing uh, in a lot of spaces, especially as this is, is cryptocurrency is starting to become more accepted, we're seeing a lot of cross-pollination with investors where they're, they're heavily invested in both the equity and the crypto space. And if the market, you know, if the equity markets tumble and they get margin called over there, where are they going to go for liquidity? Well, they're going to have to go to their crypto. Well, what happens when you end up with selling pressure on your crypto. You drive the market down. Well, when the market drives down, what's going to happen? Margin calls. And so you have a potential, you know, with with ETFs, which create a lot of volatility, high-frequency trading, which creates a lot of volatility, crypto, which, you know, I've been watching it, it can move 6 or 7 or even 10% just in a day and then be back up the next day by the same amount. Um, there's a lot of volatility that could cause a massive domino uh, fall. And um, so these things are kind of tied together. Nobody's really talking about that. They're talking about crypto being an escape from the equity market. It's an escape from inflation. But the same people are investing in equities are, are going to be investing in crypto. And uh, the margin situation the, the leverage on market purchasing is terrible. If you look at the chart that we have that I pulled off of uh, this Advisor Perspectives website, um, margin growth is at about 375% now. Uh, and if you compare that to S&P 500 growth, you'll see um, massive separation between those two. So, uh, you know, if you go back, you can see pretty much every time there was a crash, the amount of margin debt separated uh, significantly from S&P 500 growth. And, boy, are we 
pushing that line right now. Uh, it's pretty clear right now that uh, people are gobbling up this margin opportunity based on the potential arbitrage, especially with interest rates being so low. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but I know that things can change really fast. Something our clients should be very aware of. You know, the, the market going up could, you know, one, just one, not even a black swan event, maybe a gray swan event, <laughs> you know, that could cause a relatively minor move in the markets, could cause, could end up being a massive move in the markets through uh, people having to close their positions because of, of margin calls. Yeah. So be careful out there yeah. if you're investing. Well, I I'm the proud owner of one third of a coin, so I hope I hope it <laughs> to go up. You know, by the way, those who don't know, is Coinbase went pro went public this uh, last week, and they are handle about twelve percent of the uh, transactions for bitcoins world worldwide. And uh, I ca I don't know if many of you know who Kathy Wood is, but she's a, a leading uh, advisor and owns a uh, uh, well, a private equity, but they operate more like mutual funds. In fact, one of her funds is actually traded on the stock exchange. It's called ARC, and you would hear her hear that around a lot. She took a $352 million position in Coinbase uh, about 10 days ago, and that stock opened at about 381, and it's down to around 320 yesterday. I didn't look today. But Coinbase, uh, as as goes uh, Bitcoin, Coinbase, which is handles those transactions, will should uh, many can go up or not. But uh, it's uh, it's fun to, fun and involves the watch. If you don't have much money into it, it's really exciting. If you have a lot of money in it, you shouldn't do that. But anyway, a little bit more on that. I want to talk a little bit about what do annuity companies really want. I actually, this is actually going to be a sales tip. I didn't uh, get all the sales tip written down for you, but I'll, I'll repeat it for you. And so uh, when you talk, uh, talk to people about a, a, an annuity companies or insurance companies, you know, there was uh, for a long, long time when I started, there was always this rumor around that the insurance companies want you to die so they can keep your money. And that sort of got a lot of traction over the years, which is totally, totally untrue. What an insurance company really wants is they want to hold your money. It's just as simple as that. So I say to my guys when I'm pitching, hey, look, you know, let me share you on this, uh, let you in on a secret from insurance companies. They don't really care if you live or die. They just don't care because if you live a long time, someone else didn't. And if you live a short time, someone else lives a long time. That's how it works. But if you, li if you live a long time, they'll keep paying. If you die prematurely, the unused portion will go to your beneficiaries. So what insurance companies want is they do not want your money. They just want to hold your money. And the longer they can hold their money, the more successful they're going to be. So that's why they offer all sorts of benefits with it, like bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Steve uh, Kirby sent, sent me a little thing uh, this week about uh, vesting schedule on bonuses. And when you sell these bonuses, you have to make uh, products that have these bonuses on uh, either on, on the income side or on the, on the commu communication side, you need to make absolutely certain that your prospect understands this clawback provision, which is what it's going to cost them in the, in the event that uh, they, they don't hold the contract to it, uh, to whatever the term period is, say 10 years. 
So if they offer a 10% bonus and have a 12% clawback, that's part of that clawback on the first three years, which is on the notes today, and I don't know which company this was, but they're clawing back into the principal. So be careful to understand it. If they use these products how they're supposed to be used, they're wonderful products. They're fantastic products. And there's lots of offer, there's lots of opportunities to even increase income using them. And so I think they're just terrific. Uh, if you're under David's, uh, under David's picture, there's, uh, uh, going to be a change. It's coming from, uh, uh, it's under the Appropriations Act on Congress. And that's going to be increasing the funding limits on MEX on life insurance. So we're going to be able to, uh, we're going to be able to put more money into life insurance without creating a modified endowment contract and keep the tax deferred uh, growth on it. And that's coming too. I had not seen that uh, announcement until just this past week. So we'll take some time and, and get a little more, uh, a little more uh, information about that. Also, uh, uh, April 29th, I hope you'll all sign up for this webinar. It's, it's really terrific. Put on by North American and, and one of the top agencies in the country. And it's about how to use your your personal website as a lead generation system. It's free to join, and uh, I'm already registered on it. So hope uh, hope you'll you'll join and learn learn more about it. Down under uh, more information, uh, DOL <coughs> releases guidance on fiduciary investment advice, and that is uh, my interpretation of that is certainly a benefit to us selling products. Uh, there's also a little bit further down on notes, another article about it regarding the Trump administration's position on it. Um, I thought the annuities, <clears throat> your bridge to Social Security, had a lot of good sales points, a lot, a lot of few, uh, a lot of good points not to have a look up and pick up. I also thought it's interesting after <clears throat> all this uh, 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 Robin Hood stuff on driving up the stocks on on uh, two stocks that uh, they have turned around and sued the state of Massachusetts to stop the fiduciary rule. So it'll be interesting to follow that as we go along. Uh, all of this, a few other points on that. Uh, one thing I thought, uh, uh, there are uh, articles written about uh, in the future, the bias will likely be for annuities. Remember at the start of our talk, we, I talked about well, back in the days when we were <laughs> considered the ugly stepchild. Now we're, we're going to rise to the top on that and so on and so forth. And with that, uh, I guess our podcast is over. And uh, Anthony, uh, David, anything else you want to add to it? No, good here, Bill. Good hey, to go. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, everybody, for being on. If you need help, reach out. Remember, we've stayed small on purpose, and that's because we're always available. So reach out, and you can get any of us, and we'll do our very, very best to help. So with that, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the Annuity Agents Podcast with Bill Broach and Anthony Owen. Check back each week for a new episode. For more information on how Annuity Agents Alliance will help you build your annuity business, go to annuityagentsalliance.com or call 888-742-4368. If you like the show, please leave your rating and review on the podcast channel where you found the show. The information and opinions expressed here from third parties or guests are believed to be reliable, but the information cannot be verified or guaranteed by Annuity Agents Alliance. The opinions of guests do not necessarily represent the opinions of Annuity Agents Alliance or its partners. 
The prior information does not represent tax, legal, or investment advice and is for licensed financial professional use only. 